0: This morning we started talking about how to receive a miracle from God and we talked basically about the importance of God's Word. We compared it to being like a seed, that God's Word is a seed. And you can either take that the comparison of planting a seed in the ground or like a man and a woman having a relationship. You cannot produce a child without the physical relationship. You can't produce fruit in the field without planting a seed. And yet a lot of Christians are trying or desiring for the fruit of God in their lives, and yet they aren't planting the Word of God. God's Word is an incorruptible seed, what it says in First 1 Peter 1.23. So we just emphasize it, really, the first step, the most important step in receiving a miracle from God is to make the Word of God priority in your life, to begin to meditate in it day and night. And we could minister on that for weeks, weeks month on end, because really that's something that a lot of people know intellectually, but if you were to take your life and separate how much time do you really spend in the Word of God, I believe most of us in here would be embarrassed to tell other people how much time we actually spend in the Word of God. So that could be expanded on a lot. Real quickly, I would like to mention I've got a tape entitled Meditating on the Word of God, which you need to get to put into perspective what I was talking about this morning, because you can't spend 24 hours a day like this. Now, there comes a time in your life where you start out that way. When I first got turned on to the Lord, I spent 16 hours a day minimum in the Word for four or five months straight. And then when I was in Vietnam, I spent basically 13 months reading the Word all day long. That was my Bible school. And so there was a time where being in the Word was like this. And there has to be that startup period of time because you can't meditate something you don't know. So as you start in the Lord, most of your time is going to be like this. But eventually you need to get to a place where now I spend maybe 10, 15 minutes studying the word per day. But I spend hour upon hour upon hour meditating the word every single day. And meditation, you'll find, is where actually you get as much or more benefit from as just reading. Now, you can't meditate something that you don't know. So reading is an important part of it. And you don't always know everything. So reading will have to always be a part of being in the Word of God. But meditation is super important. Most people don't know that it's that important. You allow Satan to condemn you because you think, well, I hadn't been in the Word today. And yet you can be in the Word and never open the Bible if the Word's already on the inside of you. So you need to get that tape on meditating the Word because sometimes we allow Satan to condemn us over that and we don't uh, take advantage of some of the things the Lord's given us. Another thing I'd like to share with you tonight, let's turn over to Mark chapter 11 and read this passage of Scripture that Kenneth Hagin wrote. Amen. Mark chapter 11. This is where Jesus cursed the fig tree and the fig tree uh, dried up from the roots. The next day the disciples saw it. They were amazed and they asked Jesus about it. And this was his his reaction in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. He answered and said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mouth, whosoever, that means that that applies to every person in this room. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now this passage of scripture has got so much in it that we could teach on this for weeks so i'm just having to hit a couple of things but one of the points i want to show you here in verse 24 he says what things soever ye desire when you pray but believe that you receive them and you shall have them you've got to believe you receive now and then you shall future tense have it Now, that future tense might only be a second, a minute, a week, or a month. But there is... You've got to believe right now. You don't believe when you see it. You've got to believe when you pray. Now, that is so simple. And yet, this is where a lot of Christians stumble. I'm teaching on how to receive a miracle from God. And I'm just teaching a lot of it out of experience. As I've dealt with people, what is it that hangs people up? And did you know most people... If, by, when I pray for them and lay hands on them, by the time they hit the ground, if they feel healed, then they are able to believe. Most people can maintain, maintain faith for five seconds. But the problem is, is when you pray and you walk out and you hadn't seen it manifest, 99% of even spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word-type people have their faith just begin to start uh, decreasing fast. As soon as they don't see a manifestation, that's where most people struggle with it. And see, the Bible says that you got to believe you receive when you pray and then you shall have it. So what I want to share with you tonight are some simple things, explanations. Again, I want to make this point that the word of God and the kingdom of God is based on laws. There are rules. There are ways that things work and you don't have to be ignorant about the things of God. Paul said, I'd I'd not have you to be ignorant concerning the things of God out of Ephesians chapter 5. And yet most of us are ignorant. Ignorance is a breeding ground for unbelief and for problems. There are answers to things. And there is a reason why you pray sometimes here and it's over here before you see a manifestation. What I'd like to explain tonight is why sometimes there is a manifestation, a period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. Amen. That's what Jerry Savell, that's the terminology he uses. What happens in between when you say amen and there it is? There are things going on. If you understand this, it'll take away anxiety. It'll take away worry and care, frustration. It'll help you to stand and be able to believe. And it could make a big, big difference in your life. Look at Matthew chapter 7. This is a familiar passage of Scripture that everybody knows and doesn't believe. It says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. This is an awesome promise in God's Word. Did you know, honestly, if tonight we were just acting like we were brand new, we had never heard this Scripture before, if this concept had never come to you, and if I was here speaking, Thus saith the Lord, Ask, and it shall be given you. Did you know most of you would say, That's too good to believe. That'd be hard to believe. This is an awesome promise. And yet, most Christians know this. You can quote it. We sing songs about it, and we don't believe it. And you know why? It's because we say, Well, I asked and I didn't receive. I sought and I didn't find. I knocked and it wasn't open to me. And so, we arrive at this uh, problem. Here's what God's Word says, here's what my experience says. How do you harmonize the two? Well, most of us say, I don't understand, and we just lose our excitement, our authority in the Word of God, and uh, we go through. You wouldn't sit there and openly say, well, I just don't believe that scripture, but in practice, you don't expect it to work like that. And we al- develop elaborate systems of doctrine to explain why it doesn't work, and religious systems come out and say, well, not everyone that asks or sees. Well, see the next verse. Verse 8 says, everyone that asks receives. That's not true. The Bible says everyone that asks receives. But, well, this person asked and they didn't receive. You know, I remember an example of a very good friend of Jamie and and a good friend of ours had leukemia and I was with her when she died. And um, she believed God to heal her. She stood up and testified at one of James Robinson's meetings over 4,000 people that God was going to heal her. And I mean, it shook us when she wasn't healed. We prayed for her to be raised from the dead for a long period of time. And it's it's a long story. But I mean, we believed the best we knew how. And if you would have been there, you would have thought this girl believed with all of her heart. As she was dying, she says, boy, it's got to be soon. It's got to be soon. She was expecting God to heal her at any moment. She strangled on her own blood as she hemorrhaged. And you look at that and uh, you see that and I can tell you what her father's reaction was. He came to him and he says, well, I think we were wrong. It couldn't be God's will to heal every time or she would have been healed. And what he was saying was she was believing with everything she had. Well, it looked that way. It really did. And I guarantee you at the time she died, I didn't have an answer. But I told people, I said, look, God's word promised that it was his will to heal her. And I said, I don't know what happened, but God doesn't lie. It was God's will to heal her. And I said, maybe she missed it, maybe I missed it, maybe her family missed it, maybe all of us missed it. Something's wrong, but it wasn't God that was at fault. It was God's will to heal her. And I had people get mad at me, I had people reject me, and it was three years before I found out what was wrong. But man, it was a miracle that we got as far as we did. God's healing was in her body. It was supernatural, and we short-circuited it. We didn't understand anything about how to walk in faith, and we just allowed the devil to beat us on that one. Some of you are saying, well, that's terrible that you could could do something that would actually cause a person to die. Brothers and sisters, it's just the truth. You go out here and fall asleep at the wheel and you can kill somebody. You do have responsibility in the kingdom of God. There is responsibility for us to believe God. And God just can't violate all of his laws. Sometimes we think, well, why didn't God come down and intervene? Because there were laws put down. And God observes his own laws. He's bound himself by his own word that's gone out of his mouth. When he says, you have power to heal, if you don't use that power to heal, it's not going to get done. Again, people don't like that. I had a Baptist pastor come to me one time, and we were talking about this one girl that needed to be healed. And he says, look, if God wants her healed, she's going to be healed whether you or I pray for her or not. It's not so. God's will does not automatically come to pass. The Bible says in second Peter chapter three, verse nine, it says, God isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. But is every person going to come to repentance? No, because they have a choice in the thing. And also we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. It says in Romans chapter 10, how can they believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear except somebody preach the gospel? Man, there's a responsibility on us. There are people dying and going to hell that were ordained. God loves them. He's provided for them. And yet they aren't going to receive because they didn't hear. People don't like that. And so we make theology, see. We just change our theology to fit the situation so that we'll feel good. But the truth is God's will doesn't come to pass perfectly. Amen? Hope I'm getting you to think. Some of you are looking at me strange. Some of you are looking, this doesn't feel good. You mean God's will may not automatically come to pass in my life? People preach the sovereignty of God, which I may be stepping on your religious toes right here. Sovereignty literally means independent, such as the United States is independent. We declared our independence from Great Britain, so we are now a sovereign nation. That means nobody dictates to us. But does that mean that we are without control, that we are without laws? No, we've got laws. There's restraints. We've got a constitution that dictates what this nation is like, but nobody else wrote it for us. It is not imposed upon us by somebody else. We wrote our own constitution. We've got limits, but they're self-imposed limits. When we say God is sovereign, people will say that, well, you never know what God's going to do. God can do anything He wants to. God might do it this way one time. God might do it that way. God can do anything. If God wanted to, He could come down and just heal you, whether you're believing in faith or not. That is not so. God has bound himself by his word. I use that scripture this morning. Psalms chapter 89 verse 34. He says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. When he says you resist the devil and he will flee from you, that means that if you don't resist the devil, he won't flee. God cannot rebuke the devil for you. And it's wrong if you're sitting there saying, Oh, God, get the devil off my back. God can't do it. God gave you authority over the devil. You've got to learn what God's given you. You've got to begin to start exercising what God has given you. It's not God that's letting the devil run roughshod over you. It's you that's letting the devil run roughshod over you. Amen. (laughs) Preach it, brother! Amen! Nobody else going to like it. I like it. That's good preaching. I'm preaching better than you guys are listening. That's the truth. We're the ones that need to be turned on. God's not the one that needs to get stirred up. It gets me about intercessors today, man. they just in there shaking God's cage until He does something. God, move, move. God's not the one that we need to get motivated. You don't need to beg with God to move in the Denver area. God wants to do something. He's trying to rattle your cage, get you going. So much of our intercession, 90% of it is trying to motivate God to do something. God's more motivated than you are. You don't have to pray for God to send a revival. God sent it 2,000 years ago. What you need to do is get over there in the line of fire, amen. Let some of it rub off on you and God flow through you. Amen. I'm getting off the subject. See, God has already given, but we, but we look at our experience. Well, so-and-so died. It could be God's will to heal everybody. See, here's the problem. Most people interpret God's word by their experience. They say, "Here's what God's word says, but here's what happened. What's the answer?" Well, they come up with all kinds of things. Maybe it wasn't God's will. Maybe God says no. God will never say no to something He's already said yes to. Second Corinthians chapter one, I believe it's verse twenty-six says, "All of the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him amen, under the glory of God." By us. That means they're all positive. They're already yes. Anything God promised you when he says that it's his will that you be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers, then God's already said yes to that. You don't have to wonder whether God's going to say no. It's not God saying no. God said yes. But here we've got a conflict. Every one of us can probably see examples in our life where God's word promised us something. To the best of our knowledge, we did what God said and we didn't see it come to pass. How do you harmonize the two? Well, you start with the scripture that I used this morning. Romans chapter 3 verse 4 says, Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. You can also put in there, let God be true and your circumstances be a liar. Don't interpret God's word by your circumstances. Interpret your circumstances by God's word. If you've got a circumstance that says, Well, I asked God, I believed with all of my heart and yet it didn't work. The natural conclusion is, therefore, it doesn't work for everyone. Not everybody gets healed. It isn't God's will that everybody be set free. That's the natural conclusions. You need to change that, and you need to go to God's Word and say, can I find a scripture that says that God doesn't heal every time, that it's not God's will to heal? If you can't find it, then you tell your circumstances that they're wrong. Amen? Here's an explanation of this. There are two worlds. There's a physical world, and there is a natural world. There's a spiritual world. And most people aren't really aware of the spiritual world and what's going on in the spiritual world. But it does exist. Matter of fact, the spiritual world created this physical world that we see. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, we understand that the worlds were created by things that are not seen. It didn't say things that don't exist. They do exist, but they aren't physical. Everything physical was created by something spiritual. There is a spiritual reality for everything physical that we see. Amen? There's a whole spiritual world out there. Did you know that the Bible says that there are angels assigned to each one of us? There are angels. Every one of you have angels that are with you constantly for your own protection. And I personally believe in the Old Testament there was 186,000 angels assigned to one person. And if that's so, and what we've got makes that look like nothing in comparison, according to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, then every one of us must have hundreds of thousands of angels at our disposal. Now, if you take hundreds of thousands and multiply it times the number of people in this room, this room's crowded. Amen. (laughs) We got all kinds of spiritual things in here, but you don't see it. And most of you, if you don't see it, you don't think it, and you don't believe it, and you don't know that it exists, and therefore you don't draw on it. Look at this over in 2 Kings chapter 6. This is an example of what we're talking about. This is Elisha. He was the successor to Elijah. Elisha was a mighty prophet of God, and the king of Syria was fighting against the Israelites. And every time he would go down and set a trap for the king of Israel, Elisha would be told by God, he would tell the king of Israel, the king of Israel would go send the spies out there, they'd find out it to be true, and he would escape. And after a few times of this happening, the king of Syria says, one of us is a spy for the king of Israel. And one of his uh, servant girls, it was a captive that they'd taken out of the land of Israel, Said, it's none of us, but there is a prophet in Israel that tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And when this king heard that, he decided that he would send his armies down and he would capture Elisha. And so here's the story of it in verse 13. It says, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told to him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore, sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host, compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? That's old English for saying, man, what are we going to do? And then he panicked. He saw these armies, and he knew why they were there. And look at Elijah's answer. He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, you know, if you don't understand that there is a spiritual world and it is real and it exists just because you don't see it doesn't mean it exists. Now, if you don't understand that, people would think that Elijah, Elisha lied. And see, a lot of people, when it comes to confessing the word of God and saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. And any idiot can look at you and tell that you aren't healed. Amen. I mean, you look sick. You feel sick. You act sick. Anybody can tell you're sick, you're just lying. It's this positive, it's this positive lie stuff, amen. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten taken to task for confessing the Word of God when it didn't look so. Well, see, people who believe that way would say, well, Elisha lied. He said that there were more with him than there were with the enemy, And yet, you could look out there and count the enemy by thousands 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. And here Elijah was. Elisha saying, One, two, amen. (laughs) And there was more with him than there was with the enemy. How do you explain that? Well, the answer was that there wasn't more physically, but see, in the spiritual realm, there were more. It says in verse 17 Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. Praise God. He was speaking the truth. A person that says, well, it's a lie to say that you're healed when you don't feel healed. What that means is you're only looking at the natural realm. The only thing you consider to be true is what you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. Your five senses. And if that's what you consider to be facts, then yes, it's a lie. Because according to your physical senses, there are times that you speak you're healed and you don't feel healed. But see, uh, one of the keys to walking with the Lord is recognizing you've got to walk in the spirit. There's a spiritual world out there. There are spiritual realities that you can't prove in a test tube. How do you know what spiritual realities are? I mean, if you want to see the physical truth, if you want to see if your hair's combed, you go look in a mirror. I have no idea right now if my hair is gone. I hope it's gone, but you know I can't tell by my five senses. I have to look in a mirror, and I trust what I see in that mirror. How do you know that mirror is telling you the truth? How do you know what you—you've never seen the top of your head. All you've ever seen was a representation of it, a reflection of it. You don't know. How do you know what the top of your head? How do you know what the back of your head looks like? Well, I've seen a reflection or I've seen a picture. You have to take by faith that what you're seeing is true. Well, see, the Bible says, John six sixty three. the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word says this is spirit. This is true. What you read in the Bible is what spiritual truth is. So if you want to see if your hair's combed, you go look in a mirror. If you want to see what your spirit's like or if you want to see what's happening in the spirit, then you hold the Bible up and look at it and whatever it says, you just believe it. Amen. The Bible says that Elisha had angels and chariots round about him. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that what they had had no glory compared to what we've got. It says in Peter that they were longing for the day that we live in because what we've got is so much better than what they've got. If Elisha had angels and chariots round about him, praise God, I've got at least as many as he had and more round about me. If he was able to take an entire nation captive with the power of his God, well then, praise God, I can do the same thing. There's a whole spiritual world that exists out there. You know, our sister got born again this morning. Praise God for seeing her change. I was talking to her before the service. And I said, you've now got Jesus living on the inside of you. The same works that Jesus did. You can do also, John 14:12. You can do all of these things. She was just looking at me kind of stunned. Yeah. But that's the truth. Amen. She's now got God Almighty on the inside of her. And as much as she can renew her little peanut brain, I'm not speaking specifically about you. <laughs> all of us have a little peanut brain. As much as we can renew our little peanut brain, we can receive this life of God on the inside of us. But see one of the things that limits it is we only think in the physical realm. We say the Bible says ask and you shall receive. I asked and I didn't receive. Well, how do you know you didn't? Re- well, I didn't see it. Just because you didn't see it does that mean God's word isn't true and that God didn't do it? I want to propose to you and a lot of you have never thought of this that God can answer your prayer and you not even know it. Because see God is a spirit. John 4:24 says God is a spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Did you know that when God answers your prayer, He doesn't give it to you in physical form. He gives it to you in spiritual form. If you ask for finances, finances are material. Did you know what God will do? He'll release the spiritual power that it takes to produce those finances into your life. And He'll always do it. If you ask, you do receive. God gave it. If you seek, God will give it to you. God is faithful. God always, always, always answers everything. If you're praying for healing, God gave you healing, but He gives it to you in spiritual form. And God's operation, independent of you, ends in the spiritual realm. God is not the one that's going to manifest it into the physical. You know what does that? Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance. Substance is talking about physical, tangible reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith brings into physical, tangible reality things that already exist in the Spirit. Faith doesn't make things happen in the Spirit. They already happen by God's grace. But your faith brings what God has accomplished into physical reality, Is everybody following that? God answers your prayers, but God gives it to you in your spirit. And then your faith brings it from the spirit into the physical realm. So if you're praying for healing, God releases healing into you. But that doesn't mean that you're going to see healing unless you believe, unless you know how to cooperate. Faith brings spiritual things into physical form. An example of this is like radio. Did you know right now we're using radio for you to hear me? This microphone is a wireless radio is what it is. And it's broadcasting the signal back there, and then it picks up and it's broadcast uh, over the speakers. But did you know that there's more than just this radio signal in this room? There are literally dozens of radio signals and television signals in this room. And if you say, well, I don't believe it, why? Because I can't hear it? That doesn't mean that they aren't here. That just means that you aren't very smart. There are things that exist beyond your ability to comprehend them with your physical, natural ability. You can't hear radio and television signals even though they're in here and they're loud. You know why you can't hear them? Because they're broadcast at a very high frequency, a frequency that's outside the human hearing range. But they're in here, and those signals are just as loud as this signal that we are tuned into. There are many signals in here, but the difference is you can't hear them. They're out of your range. But they're here and they do exist and it is a physical, tangible reality. But what, a, what happens is you get a receiver that can hear those things and it picks out an individual signal. It can choose which signal it wants. It picks that out and then it rebroadcasts it. It demodulates it down a number of octaves and rebroadcasts it in the range that your ear can hear it. And that's the reason you hear me instead of all the radio and television signals. But did you know that they're also in here? It's just like God. God answers prayer. God will give it to you, but many people, they don't even know that God's answered their prayer. They aren't able to perceive it. They aren't able to get it, and they aren't able to put it down into the realm where they can perceive it and operate in it in their physical realm. And so they say, well, God didn't do it. Well, see, the radio station is faithful. (laughs) Amen. Radio station, the signal's here, but whether you tune into it, turn on Get it on the right frequency. Whether you know how to make that thing work or not has nothing to do with whether the power has been generated and the signal is released. Did you know God has answered our prayers? Every time any of you have ever prayed for anything based on God's Word and you prayed in faith, God gave you your answer, but He gives it to you in a spiritual form. And whether you get it into the physical and see it is not dependent on whether God answers your prayer. It's dependent on whether you can receive from God. Amen? That's important. When I saw this, what it did... See, I've had experiences in my life like this girl that I was telling you about that Jamie and I saw die. That really affected me. And I guarantee you, I had problems with it. And I had a decision. Was I going to get bitter and say, God, why didn't you do it? Or was I going to hold on to the God? You're faithful. You didn't miss it. We missed it. I had a choice to make. And I just chose to believe that, God, I believe you answered our prayers. I don't know why it didn't work. And it took me about three years before I began to find out some of the reasons why. Every last one of you have instances where you have prayed or are in the process of praying for something and you haven't seen it manifest yet. You've got a decision to make. Are you going to say, well, God, why hadn't you done anything yet? The Bible says you've got to believe you receive when you pray, not when you see it, but when you pray. If you're going to say, well, God, why haven't you done anything yet? Right then. See, you have moved away from believing that it's already done. You aren't going to believe it's done until you can see it. You don't believe that anything is happening until the moment you see something happen. And yet that's not what the Word of God teaches us. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And there are ample examples in the Word of God of people that prayed, And the Bible shows us behind the scenes what was going on in the spiritual realm. And there was lots of activity long before the physical thing that they prayed for came to pass. If you can't believe that anything is happening until you can see it happen, then all you're doing is operating as a physical, natural man and woman, and you will not receive from God. God's already given it, but you'll never see it manifest until you push over into the realm where you can begin to start believing that something is happening outside of your five senses. Let me give you an example over here in Daniel chapter 9. This is an example of Daniel who the Bible called one of the three greatest intercessors that ever lived. Daniel was a powerful man with God. And in Daniel chapter 9, we see him pray a prayer. He starts his prayer in verse 3, and he prays all the way down through verse 19. I'm not going to take time to read this, but basically what he was doing was just confessing that, Father, we've sinned. You're just to to never answer our prayer, but we aren't asking judgment. We aren't asking justice. We're asking mercy. Amen. That's basically what he was saying. And in verse 20, it says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God... Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision. And this is talking about an angel. This is the same Gabriel that appeared unto Mary and announced uh, that she would have a child. And the same Gabriel that appeared unto Zacharias in Luke chapter 1. So the angel Gabriel appeared. He he, uh, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said. So here's his answer to this prayer coming. And if you take time to read Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, down through verse 19, it takes about three minutes or so to read it. So here's Daniel praying a prayer, and in three minutes' time, God answered his prayer. That's pretty good. If if all of us could get our prayer answered in three minutes' time, we wouldn't have any problems. Amen? I think most of us could hang on for three minutes. The problem is when it takes three hours or three weeks or three months, most of us fall by the wayside and get discouraged, and we become—we are more dominated by what we see than what, by we are by what believe, what we believe. Why did it take God three minutes to answer Daniel's prayer? Now somebody might say, "Who cares? <laughs> three minutes is okay." But see, there's a principle here. Why does it take three minutes? Did you know if you will look at this, it didn't even take three minutes? Look at what Gabriel told him here in verse 22. He said, he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to give thee skill and understanding. Gabriel said, at the beginning of your supplication, did you know when he first started praying, God answered his prayer, but it took three minutes for after God moved for it to become visible. Now see, that blows most people's thinking. Most people think, wait a minute, if God's God, God snaps his finger and the whole universe can be created in an instant. God can do anything. We don't think of any such thing as limitations of time or space or anything on God. I don't have all of the answers for this, but I can say on the authority of this scripture, God gave the commandment to Gabriel and it took three minutes for him to get there. He could have been 10 billion light years away. I don't know where Gabriel was at the time God gave the commandment, but it took three minutes. So this establishes a precedent that brothers and sisters, sometimes it takes a little bit of time from when God releases the power before it is physically manifest and evident. And if during that period of time you get swayed by what you see and you say, well, it didn't work, then that scripture we used this morning, Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He uses the power that's working in you if along the way you say, why, God, haven't you answered my prayer? Man, it could be just a fraction of a second from coming into manifestation and you stop that power working and it'll never manifest itself. Many of you, God answered your prayer. The prayer was in the pipeline and you stopped it. He performed a spiritual abortion. It was already on its way and you aborted it by saying, God, why haven't I seen it yet? The moment you do that, you have stepped out of faith. You're waiting until you see it before you believe you receive. In Mark 11:24 24 says you gotta believe you receive when you pray, and then you shall have it. So Daniel prayed a prayer, and God answered it instantly, but it took about three minutes for it to manifest. Why? I don't know all the reasons why. But look here in the 10th chapter. Here's Daniel praying another prayer. This is the same man. If anything, Daniel should have had more faith in the 10th chapter than he had in the 9th chapter. And yet, he had a different reaction. In the ninth chapter, he prayed a prayer in three minutes. While he was still praying, his prayer was answered. In the 10th chapter, it says right here in verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So he not only prayed, but he fasted and prayed and mourned for three solid weeks before he saw an answer this time. And you go down to verse 10 and you'll find that God sent another messenger to him and answered his prayer this time. Now, why did it take God three minutes the first time and three weeks the second time? And again, see, we'll try and come up with answers and say, well, maybe God wanted to teach him something. Maybe God wanted him to struggle and through his hardship he was going to learn character and man religion has come up with all of this junk that it teaches us to justify why our prayers aren't being manifest. But see God doesn't use your troubles to teach you things and now you can learn through troubles. But that's not God. It's not God's system. The Bible says in the second Uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good work the scripture is given to make you perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good work God doesn't need hard knocks tribulations trials problems to work character in you now, is that to say that you can't learn anything through your mistakes? No, you can learn, but that's not God's system. I had not got time to teach on that. I wished I did, because that's a stumbling block to a lot of people. But did you know that that will stop a lot, a lot of people to say, well, maybe God is holding off the manifestation of my answer because I need to learn something. I need to do that. God's going to teach you through the Word of God. God's not holding back. Why did God answer Daniel's prayer in three minutes one time and in three weeks the next time? Well, here's the answer in Daniel chapter 10. Look at this. Verse 11. He said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. So here's the answer. From the first day, and personally, I believe from the first words, just like in the ninth chapter, God answered both prayers exactly the same. God is not the variable. God is not the one who answers one person's prayer and another one's doesn't get answered. God is not the one who heals one person instantaneously and the next person it takes three weeks for the healing to come. God is not the variable. God doesn't treat us that way. He's no respecter of persons. God doesn't answer my prayers and then your prayers. They may not get answered as well or whatever. God's the same towards all of us. There was no variable. God answered both prayers instantly, but one prayer took three minutes to manifest. The other one took three weeks. What was the difference? The difference wasn't God. God was faithful in both situations. You need to get this, brothers and sisters, that just because God moves doesn't mean that everything's going to automatically work because we've got an enemy that's doing everything he can to mess up God's move in your life. And look at what the angel said here. Verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. And if I had time, you could go to Isaiah chapter 14 and uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 and you could find out that this is talking about a demonic power. There was a spiritual warfare going on. God gave the command. And if there hadn't have been a spiritual intervention, it would have taken three minutes or less for this second prayer to be answered. But Satan fought against it. Satan was the variable. Now, some people might say, well, why did Satan fight in the 10th chapter and he didn't in the 9th chapter? I can't give you all the answers to that either, but I can tell you this, that lots of times the devil just blows it. Amen? <laughs> the devil is not omnip- omnipotent, all-powerful. He does not always work. Most Christians have more faith in the devil than they have in God. That's Most Christians believe that, man, if I do the slightest thing wrong, the devil's going to get me. We believe he's 100% consistent. Never does he ever miss an opportunity. But God, I don't know for sure if he will do it. We actually believe that the devil's more consistent than God. It's not so. The devil is a jerk. The devil messes up all of the time. Amen? Amen. And it could be that in the ninth chapter, the devil was out licking his wounds, worrying about somebody else. Maybe he thought it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that was going to provide the problem. Maybe he didn't see that Daniel was the one who really had the potential, and he just blew it. He might have been on vacation. He just missed it. But boy, after seeing the results of the ninth chapter where the Messiah was prophesied, Daniel 70 weeks, the temple being desecrated, all of these tremendous prophecies, he decided he wasn't going to let another one get by. And he just fought. If you aren't having any problems, it's probably because you aren't doing anything. You aren't a threat. The devil fought Daniel. I don't know all the reasons why, but the devil misses it sometimes. And the devil fought him for three weeks. Finally, there were spiritual reinforcements came. Michael, the archangel, came and helped this angel. And they broke through and the answer came. Now, here's some other things to glean from this. Daniel was an Old Testament saint. In the Old Testament, they did not have authority over the devil. That only comes through Jesus. Mankind was not created with authority over the devil because there was no reason to have authority over him. If they hadn't submitted to him, he had no inroad into them. So God didn't create man with authority over the devil. He had authority over physical things. When he sinned, he yielded himself to the devil. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So when man yielded to Satan to sin, they yielded to Satan, and Satan became their master, and Satan ran the show to a large degree in the Old Testament. If God would have shown Daniel what was going on, Now, see, Daniel hadn't written Daniel chapter 10 yet. Daniel didn't know what was going on. There's no indication that he did. But if the Lord would have shown Daniel that the prince of the kingdom of Persia was fighting against his answer to prayer, did you know there was nothing that Daniel could have done about it? He couldn't have taken authority over the devil. He couldn't have rebuked the devil. Did you know that there's only 15 times that Satan is referred to in all of the Old Testament and 12 of those are in the book of Job? And two of the other references, two out of those other three are the same instance. One's recorded in Kings and one's recorded in Chronicles. So if you subtract that, that duplication, there's only 14 times Satan is referred to and 12 of them are in the book of Job. There was not a revelation of Satan in the Old Testament. Why? Because it didn't matter. They didn't have any authority over him. It wouldn't have mattered if they had have known about him. They couldn't have done anything about it. But in the New Testament, you'll find some chapters with more than 15 references to the devil. In the New Testament, the, the deception, the, the blinders are removed because now we can do something about the devil. We've got authority over him, and so God gave us a revelation of that. And in the New Testament, we don't have to sit there for 21 days and just hold on and wait for the devil to run his course in our life. Did you know Satan only has so much he can do against him? Some people think that the devil is limitless. He is not. In the fourth chapter of Matthew and the fourth chapter of Luke, when Satan tempted Jesus, it says when he ended all of the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season. The way that's phrased is Satan threw everything he had at Jesus. Jesus withstood it and he left because there was nothing to do. He tempted him three times. Did you know in in, uh, 1 John chapter 2, I believe it's verse 10, somewhere right around there, it says that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of God but of the devil. It lists three things. You can go back to Genesis chapter 3 and see the same thing. There's only three main areas that Satan's got. He doesn't have a limitless bag of tricks. He threw everything he had at Jesus. Jesus withstood it, and he had to leave. It was by default. There was nothing left for him to do. And did you know that there's some Christians that that's the way they receive from God? They pray... And then they just hold on to, God, I've prayed, I believe you're going to do it. I believe you're going to do it. And the devil grabs you. It's like a dog with a bone, man. And he grabs you and beats you up against the wall, drags you through the mud. You're bruised, you're beaten, but you're just hanging on. God, I'm holding on. And if the devil throws everything he's got at you, and if you don't quit, then you win by default. He's done everything. You didn't break. You didn't bend. You didn't bow. So you win by default. And that's basically the way Christians receive from God. But in the New Testament, we don't have to do that. We don't have to just stand there for days and months and years. We can get in and shorten the manifestation period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. Because it's, the sat- it's Satan. It's the variable. If you understand that God answers all of your prayers instantly, then if you don't see instant manifestation, you aren't waiting on God to answer your prayer. God is waiting on you to make that connection and bring it from the spiritual into the physical. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know if you got what I just said, but that is awesome. You have untold spiritual power and ability that most Christians don't know. We're sitting here in a passive position just waiting on God when the truth is God's already answered. And what, we're wait- what he's waiting on is somebody to stand in the gap and get the devil off the situation. And release the authority and power and see that thing manifest. I pastored a little church in Pritchett, Colorado. Are you the one that was telling me about whose uh, parents lived in Pritchett? They must not be here. Anyway, I pastored this little church in Pritchett, Colorado, and uh, I saw a lot of miracles. We saw a man raised from the dead in that town of 144 people. Saw a lot of things happen. There was this church I pastored in um, Childers, Texas that we taught specifically on this very thing. And I remember one night we had a healing miracle service. We advertised it in the paper and we invited people to come and I taught on exactly what I'm teaching on tonight that God answers instantly and if you don't see instantaneous manifestation, then you can bring it into being because it's not God that you're dealing with. God's already granted the answer. You're dealing with Satan and his hindrances against your prayer and you can bind it and you can see it come to pass. So I taught on that and we asked people to come forward. There was a guy said, 17 year old boy that came forward and he was blind in one eye and so I said praise God we're going to put into practice what we preach so we got him up there I had some of the elders come up we laid hands on him prayed for him and then I had him cover up his good eye and look through his bad eye and I said how many fingers am I holding up and he couldn't even see my hand he he didn't even know which direction he was I had to point him towards my hand he couldn't see a thing And did you know immediately, there was people that, man, they were excited by me teaching the Word, and they were excited. They were looking to see a miracle, but when they didn't see it instantaneously, you could just feel the faith begin to subside in people's, uh uh-oh, and boy, I mean, it got quiet in a hurry, and so I prayed for him again. Now, I'll explain that in a minute. Some of you may think, well, are you believing it didn't work the first time? No, I believe God answered, but I kept praying until I saw whatever the hindrance was get off of it. And so I prayed again. Then I held up my hand. He couldn't see a thing. Couldn't even see where my hand was. So finally, I dismissed the group. I said, look, if you're just guessing, hoping, wishing this would happen, leave. Don't hinder us. And I said, those of you that believe, let's get around him and pray. So we had about 20 people or so around him praying. And we prayed for him for like 15 or 20 minutes. We prayed in tongues. And we're building ourselves up on our most holy faith. And as we were praying, every once in a while, I'd stop and say, how many fingers do I have up? He couldn't see a thing. We did that probably four or five times. And finally, as we were praying, I had this thought come to me. And this is when I was first getting started. And the Lord just spoke to me and he says, He doesn't need a healing, he needs a miracle. He doesn't have the things in his eyes that it takes to see. And see, I didn't know that there was any difference. I'd never had that thought before. So I was thinking about this. God, is that you? Is there a difference between a miracle and a healing? And while I was thinking about it, my associate pastor, Don Crow. He says, God just told me that he doesn't have parts of his eyes there, that he needs a miracle instead of a healing. I thought, man, this must be God. So we prayed for him again, and we said, we command whatever it is in those eyes that that aren't there, we command them to be created. And we asked him, and it turned out that when he was a little kid, he had his lens and retina surgically removed from that eye. So we commanded him to come into manifestation. Then I had him cover up his good eye and I said, how many fingers do I have up? And he said, one, two, and he could see and God healed him. Now, brothers and sisters, God healed him instantly. But if we hadn't stuck with it, if we would have just said, well, God, I prayed and I don't know why, we'll just wait and whenever you get ready, when it's your time, we expect to see it, he'd still be blind. God did it, but you need to believe that God did it and stick with that prayer until you see a manifestation, knowing that you aren't dealing with God. It's not the fact that you're forcing God and saying, God, I don't know why you didn't do it the first time I prayed, but whatever, I'm going to stick with it until you do it. If that's your attitude, you're wrong. You didn't believe that you received when you prayed. But if you believe you receive when you pray, then why just try and ignore it and wait on God? God's already done it. You can shorten that manifestation period of time. Here's another example, and I'm I'm now getting into reasons or ways that Satan hinders prayer. How can he hinder your prayer? I've got two tapes on this one thing, Satan's Hindrances to Prayer, Part 1 and 2, and there are literally dozens that I know of and dozens that I don't know of. I'm still learning. But some of the things, like in the area of finances, people will just pray and they will ask God to meet their needs financially, and they'll pray and say, I believe, God, you're going to prosper me. But did you know that there are other things involved in your prosperity other than just you praying? Say, for instance, if you're trying to sell a house, did you know God's not going to buy your house? Some people pray and say, oh, God, I ask you to sell my house. And then if it doesn't sell, they get upset. God, why had not you answered my prayer? God answers your prayer the moment you pray. But God's not the one that's going to buy your house. He's going to use somebody else, and Satan can hinder your prayer when another person is involved in your prosperity. And if you don't understand this, then you can spend all of your time petitioning God. God, I've asked you a dozen times, now how come you hadn't sold my house? God was faithful, but see, you need to be interceding for the people that are going to be used in your prosperity. A good friend of mine in Woodland Park, Colorado, heard me minister on this, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. He had had his house up for sale two years, and it had not sold. And there was no, there was no reason that it shouldn't have sold, because it was, it was priced right and everything. He heard me say this, and instead of petitioning God and saying, God, I ask you to sell my house, he started saying, Father, thank you that you did answer my prayer. And it must be that Satan is fighting against the person who who you spoke to about buying my house. And so he got into praying in tongues. He interceded for this person. And did you know in two days' time, he had the house sold and the money in his bank? He had been trying to sell it for two years in two days time once he believed god you did it now satan however you're hindering this person i command you to leave him alone once he changed his attitude it came to pass i dealt with another woman in colorado springs who had a house up for sale four years ago she had decreased the price over ten thousand dollars i prayed with her and told her this she went back and put her price up to where it originally was and in two days time she had her house sold and money in the bank See, God was answering prayer, but God flows through people. Now, there's some things that involve other people. Another example is a man that came to my office. He had been working for this firm for like five or six years. He was really bitter, and he was, he was mad, saying, God, why won't you promote me? I've been at this business longer than anybody else. People had been hired since him and were promoted above him. He was one of the lowest paid people in the entire uh, business. And yet he had said he had been faithful. The, the owner just hated him. They didn't get along good at all. And he was griping and complaining. And he says, why isn't God answering my prayer? So there was two areas I dealt with him on. I said, first of all, you're in strife. James 3.16, where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil word. You're allowing Satan to steal from you because of strife. And he, he felt justified in being angry. I said, it doesn't matter. Whether you justify it or not, if you're angry, Satan is ripping you off. So, for your benefit, you need to forgive this employer. So, we prayed about that, and this man got rid of his unforgiveness. And then I said, recognize God is not going to promote you directly, He's going to promote you through that boss. He's going to bless you through that business. And I said, instead of speaking evil of your boss, go to blessing the man. Go to speaking something good about him. And, and go to praying for him that God will remove the blinders from him. Well, he came back to me in two weeks period of time. And first of all, he got his attitude straight towards his boss. He started praying for his boss. And within just a short period of time, a week or so, that boss came through one day and just said something mean to him, blasted him. And normally, he would have said something back. And you know what he did? Because he had been praying and because he forgave this man, he turned around and told that boss, he says, I forgive you. And man, this boss, it shook him. (laughs) You forgive me. And he stopped off. But in a few moments, he came back and he says, what do you mean you forgive me? And so this guy told him, he says, I felt like you've treated me wrong. I've been here. I've been faithful. And he says, I just want you to know that I've forgiven you. It doesn't matter if I get a promotion or not. And he says, I've been praying for you. I believe that there's probably something wrong in your life. And I've just been praying. And this man broke down and began to cry. And he'd gone through a divorce. And he was miserable on the inside. And he asked this guy to pray for him. And the guy ministered to him. And you know what happened? His boss promoted him to foreman over the entire thing, doubled his salary, and gave him a two-week paid vacation. All of that happened in two weeks' period of time. And God, he'd, he'd been praying for five years. See, God had been answering his prayer, but God was going to flow through a man. So Satan was hindering, not because of that man's faith, but because of some other situation. You've got to recognize sometimes other people are involved in your prayer. Some of you have been praying for a loved one to get born again, and you are frustrated, God, what's wrong? Am I not praying in faith? Why haven't you done something? Well, did it ever occur to you that the person you're praying for isn't receiving what God's doing? The truth is, God's been answering your prayer every time you pray. God's faithful, but that person has a choice in it. So what you need to do is quit going by what that person says and does, and you need to go by God's Word. You need to look in God's Word. He says, ask and you shall receive. Father, I asked you to speak to Him. You are speaking to Him. And if that person tells you, no, sir, God hadn't been dealing with me, you just say, God's true, you're a liar, God is dealing with you. (laughs) Now, some of you think, oh, brother, you're getting spooky, but it works. (laughs) When I was in Vietnam, I had an atheist come to one of my Bible studies. And this atheist, I was brand new in the Lord. I didn't know the word very well. And he began to bring up, what about the people in Africa that have never heard the gospel? Is God going to send them to hell? How can God judge them if they never had a chance? Well, I didn't have the slightest idea. Now I know Romans 1, 18 through 20 is the answer. But I didn't know that back then. He made a fool of me. He made such a fool out of me that the whole Bible study broke up and laughed and they went out with him and here I sat by myself and he just beat me. But you know what? I still believed in God because I had an experi—I knew God personally. I didn't understand all of the answers, but I knew that God was real. And I just kept saying, look, I don't know the answer to your question, but I know there's a God because he lives in me. My life's changed. Did you know within 30 minutes' time, I was still sitting there thinking, God, what happened? In 30 minutes' time, that atheist was back saying, I want what you've got. He says, my whole life is built on an argument. It's all intellectual. He says, I out-argued you. You should be defeated. And he says, you aren't. (laughs) He says, you've got something that you still believe in even when you don't understand it. He says, I want that. And he asked me to share Jesus with him. And he says, the whole time I was saying I didn't know there was a God. He says, I knew in my heart there had to be a God. Man, in Vietnam, I've witnessed a bunches of people who call themselves atheists. But when the bombs got dropping, did you know there are no atheists in foxholes? Amen. All of these guys that didn't believe in God were crying out for this God they didn't believe in. Some people are just playing mind games. But in their heart, God's speaking to them. If you've prayed for them, God's dealing with them. They may be rationalizing it and saying, no, he's not, but he is. How do I know that? Because God's Word says it. You can come to me and say, man, I'm having fun living in sin. I don't have any conviction. Well, you're just a liar. The Bible says there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. That's what the Bible says. Well, no, I've got peace. No, you don't have peace. You may be high on dope. You're numb. You don't feel it maybe, but it's not peace. There's a difference between not feeling it because you're inebriated or something and having true peace. Those people are out there saying, man, this homosexuality, it's great. God made me to be this way. That's a lie. It's not what the Bible says. God made them Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen. (laughs) God didn't make anybody to be a homosexual. They may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. My brother, you're just too dogmatic. Well, I want you to know that, praise God, there are some absolutes. There are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong. And our society doesn't believe that today. And sad to say the church has been made to feel sorry, apologetic, because we believe that there are some things that are right. And some things are wrong. There's no reason to be wrong. We've let the world influence us. But you can be dogmatic. Amen? The Bible says that if you ask, you receive. You may not have thought you did, but God gave it to you. You just didn't understand how to tune in, turn on your receiver, and put it into the realm where you live. But the truth is, God answered your prayer. God's been faithful to you. God's never failed you, ever you fail to receive and then you get mad and you blame God. But the truth is God has always, always, always answered your prayer. And it's a matter of us, number one, believing it. And then, once you believe it, there are things you can do to shorten that manifestation period. All I've done is lay down tonight just the principle. There are literally dozens and dozens of things that I could share with you about how you do it, but I can't give you everything I know all at one time. But the main thing is just to believe that God does it. I've ministered this a lot. I ministered this in Fort Morgan, Colorado, and there was a woman who had floaters in her eye where you look and you see these spots, and they floated around. You couldn't really see it because the time you try and zero in on it, it moves. It's just floaters in your eye, these little spots. She had prayed for that and tried to be healed for a long time. We had her come forward prayed for she didn't see any manifestation so what we began to do was just start praying and we prayed and we prayed for like 15 or 20 minutes and those eyes cleared up and she's never had them come back I pastored this little group in Childers Texas and we only had like 60 to 80 people maximum I imagine an average attendance was probably about 40 or so but we saw blind eyes open deaf ears open we saw this one guy that had poured gasoline down in the carburetor of his car and it backfired and it exploded and burnt, the, uh, burnt his arm. He had flesh hanging down and fluids pouring out. of it. We had a nurse in our church that said it was the worst third-degree burn she had ever seen in her life. Instead of taking him to the doctor, they brought him over to our house and told us to pray because, see, we'd been preaching this. And they said, let's pray and we're going to see God heal him. So we laid hands on him and prayed. This guy was passing out. They had something stuck in his mouth that he was biting on because the pain was so bad. So we prayed for him, and he he was still hurting. Nothing happened. And you know what I wanted to do? I said, maybe we ought to take him to the doctor. And my associate pastor's wife, she said, if it was anything else, you'd pray until you saw it manifest. God answered our prayer. Why are you going to quit? Well, what are you going to say to somebody like this? I said, all right, we'll pray. So we just started praying. We prayed for about 10 or 15 minutes in tongues. And every once in a while, I'll ask him how he was doing. And he was still passing out. So finally, I told him, I said, Bob, you're spirit filled. You got the Holy Ghost. Now you go to fighting with us. And I made him start praying in tongues with us. And he started praying in tongues. And in just a few minutes, he pushed us back. he went to slapping his arm like this. And then he went and got one of these wire brushes and scrubbed all that stuff off. The pain was totally gone. God had healed him. And in a week's time, his flesh was normal with no scar on it. That same man, this guy was not real smart, but this same guy welded... (laughs) He welded for seven hours without a mask because he was a faith man and he didn't have to do the natural things that everybody else did. So they brought him over to my house and he had these huge whelps on him, that big, all over his face. And he was blind, couldn't see. And he was hurt and he was screaming out for pain. So we prayed for him. We called the church together and we started praying. And we prayed about 15 or 20 minutes, believing that God, you healed him. But we wanted to see the manifestation. We weren't down that God had healed him. We weren't saying, God, we're going to stand here until you healed him. God had already done it. We were going to stand there until all of the hindrances were removed. And we saw it. We prayed for about 15 to 20 minutes and no results. And finally, the Lord spoke to him and he says, he needs to ask forgiveness. He's sold to the flesh and he's reaping what he's sowed. And unless that man repents, I can't heal him. So I told Bob, I said, you need to confess that is sin and repent. He said, no, that's not sin. I said, okay, we won't pray for you. Boy, he looked at us just saying, he was hurting. He says, I repent. Man, he went to repent. He confessed his sin and repented, and we prayed for him. And then all of a sudden, his eyes opened up. And before that time, this guy had corrective lenses. They were like Coke bottles. He could only see eight inches, not seven or nine, only eight with these corrective lenses. And after that, he didn't need his glasses anymore. He was able to go drive without any glasses. God just supernaturally restored him. We saw things manifest. We saw people with asthma. I'd pray for people with asthma. And then i believed believe that God, you healed them. And if they still had problems, I'd make them get up and start acting on their faith. And this one woman, we made her run around my, this room. I had it 20 by 26. She ran around and would run until she'd pass out. And then when she'd pass out, we'd pray over her. When she got her strength back, we'd get her up and run. She did that for about three or four hours, but she never had another asthma problem. She was completely set free of it. Some people may say, well, brother, that's more effort than I want to go to. Well, you know, it hasn't been always the same thing. That was when we were getting started. A lot of it is you're praying for your own self. You're countering the unbelief that's in you. It's not that God says 20 minutes for this one. God heals instantly. But it's just when you start out, there are levels of unbelief in you that it takes time to overcome. And I can tell you what was going on inside of me when I was praying for these people over a prolonged period of time. I'd be sitting there thinking, I'd be thinking, Father, it does work. In the name of Jesus, you did heal them. And I'd be just ministering to myself and casting down thoughts that tell me that, no, if you didn't see it, it won't work. Your eyes are one of your biggest problems. Dave Duell says that's the reason God sent them forth two by two to heal the sick, is so that one of them could be blindfolded and the other one could lead him along, (laughs) amen. (laughs) Your eyes is one of your biggest ways of disbelieving God. You pray for something and if you don't see it, then immediately you begin to wonder whether it really happened or not. So see, you may have to pray for a while, it's not that it takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes or anything for God to do it, it just takes you that long to believe. If you're one of those that it's been three weeks, don't get discouraged or don't get condemned. Man, if it takes three years, who cares? You need to stay, And as you begin to exert yourself, you'll get stronger and stronger, and the manifestation period of time will become shorter and shorter. Why? Because God's getting stronger? No, it's you that's getting stronger. You're able to receive better. But if you can understand what I'm talking about tonight, God answers your prayers instantly. If you don't see it manifest, it's you that needs to start building up yourself. You need to go and get agreement that will shorten that manifestation period of time. You need to start praying in tongues. God will show you the hindrances. Well, there's a lot of other things. I've got a tape entitled Groaning in the Spirit that to me is the greatest hindrance stopper that God ever gave us. And uh, it's a teaching that not very many people hear about, but groaning in the Spirit is something that God, it's a powerful weapon that God's given us when we know not to pray as we ought you can groan in the spirit, and boy, the power of God will manifest itself in your life. Amen. You know, when I was pastoring this little church in Sevierville, we never, we only saw one person in two years. It wasn't healed instantly. Now, when I say instantly, it may not have manifested itself instantly, but we believe they were healed instantly, and they were healed within just a matter of a, maybe three hours maximum. Is the longest we went saw anybody we had people brought in on uh, in wheelchairs we had people brought in on their deathbed one woman was brought in uh, the doctors told her she had less than 24 hours to live she had rheumatoid arthritis so bad every joint in her body was different directions and she was only eating spoonfuls of liquid supposed to be dead in 24 hours prayed for her and she hadn't walked in eight years she started walking by herself lifted up her arms god instantly healed her and set her free we saw a great miracle we had people with broken bones healed and I'd pray for them and they'd throw their crutches down and run out one girl wasn't a believer and she got so scared she ran three blocks home when she got healed threw her crutches down and ran home <laughs> I prayed for a woman I mean a man that had had uh, teeth removed and his jaw was swollen in black and blue he was really hurting and I prayed for him and then slapped him right upside the jaw and instantly, man, he was normal and he started praising God and set free. We saw all kinds of miracles happen. And you know, when I left that place, I thought, man, I got it figured out. We, it, this is no problem. I could just see me drawing the world after us, say, man, doing all of these great miracles. Our first service, I told people to come up, I guarantee you, you'll be healed, it'll manifest itself instantly. We had some people come for it, and I wound up staying all night long praying for people. I prayed for them all night, and we never did see it manifest. And it really bothered me, and I went to the Lord about it, and the Lord showed me that it was because I had a group of people that were in agreement. It wasn't just me. It was the body of believers standing and praying. And when I'm out on my own, this may be the first time you've heard what I've talked about tonight. I can't guarantee you that we're going to see everybody manifest tonight. I can guarantee you that God heals instantly and God's part's done, but it depends. In the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus couldn't do many mighty miracles in, their home t- in his hometown because of their unbelief. The unbelief of other people can affect what God's doing. So I can't guarantee you exactly that all of the results will be perfect tonight because Satan can hinder us through different things. But I can guarantee you this, that God answers. God's going to grant you healing tonight. He's already done it. God's already done everything you need. And praise God, just knowing what we've talked about, is 90% of the battle. If you just know that God did it, but you don't know exactly how to get from where you are to there, but just knowing that God's faithful, He's answered your prayer, that's 90% of the battle. Amen? Just knowing that will give you so much peace that you can stand and you can fight through the other things and you can learn it the hard way if you have to. Amen? A good friend of mine used to say that even no blind hog, if he keeps rooting long enough, come up with something. <laughs> if you just stick at it saying, God, I know that you heal me. I know it's done. I know it's done. I don't know how to get there, but bless God, you've answered. You're going to get there eventually. Amen. My wife and I saw great miracles happen. Blind eyes open, deaf ears open before we ever heard of Copenhagen. Amen. <laughs> Copeland and Hagen. We didn't even know that they existed. And yet, we were seeing God do miracles just because the heart was right. Amen? Boy, you get that committed. Say, God, I know you're faithful. You did answer my prayers. I asked and I did receive. Whether I can see it or not, it's done. It's there. Boy, you get that attitude. You're going to tap into the power of God. If I could convince you tonight that a million dollars was buried in your backyard, if I could convince you of that, it would be nice if you had a big old front-end loader to dig your yard up with. You might get there faster than somebody else, but if all you had was a teaspoon, and if you were convinced it was there, you'd eventually find it. But see, if all you got is a little teaspoon, and you dig a little while, and you get tired, if you weren't totally convinced that what I told you was the truth, you'll throw that thing away and say, it isn't worth the effort. And see, some of us don't know very much spiritually, and so it's hard. And it's a struggle. Not because God made it that way, but because that's the way you're programmed. It's going contrary to your nature. It may be hard for you for a while. But if you just keep after it, if all you got is that teaspoon, you'll eventually get there. If you do learn what the Word says and begin to renew your mind with it, it'll be like digging with a back end or a front end loader or one of those backhoes. You can get there faster, you can do it better but it's still the same principle. The first thing you've got to know is that God's faithful. God's never failed you. God's answered your prayer. Oh, that sister's full of the Holy Ghost back there. The power of God's living on the inside of her, and the rest of her Christian life is trying to learn what happened to her today. She's already got it. She doesn't need to get faith. She needs to learn how to use what she's already got. She doesn't need power. She needs to learn how to use what she's already got. It's the same with every one of us. God's already done it for us. God's already answered your prayer. One of the things that's going to work is when you quit begging God for what He's already given you. Some of you are saying, oh God, if you'd just give me faith, He's already given you faith. It's a matter for you to get up and use what you've already got. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to have to stop. I could keep going on this forever. But that's good. If you can understand what we talked about tonight, it'll be a big step in you receiving a miracle from God. God's already done it. The moment you pray based on God's Word, it's done in the Spirit now. The rest of it is faith. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. It provides evidence, tangible evidence for things not seen. Things that do exist, but they just aren't seen. They're in the spiritual realm instead of the physical realm. Amen? Praise God. Father, we love you and thank you tonight for your word. I praise you, Father, and I ask you through the power of the Holy Spirit tonight that you would make these things that we've talked about reality in people's hearts. For those, Father, that have doubted that you have moved because they haven't seen something happen and they've been discouraged and they're in a position of saying, God, when are you going to move? I ask you that you'd show them tonight, Father, that you moved the moment they prayed. And that, Father, they would repent of not believing you and not believing that they received when they prayed. And, Father, people would humble themselves tonight and say, Father, I'm the one that's wrong. You aren't wrong. You're just. You're holy. Father, you are faithful. It's not you. It's me that's been missing it. I ask you to help people to humble themselves to repent and to proclaim your integrity tonight. To believe that you're always faithful. Praise the Lord. Father, we receive that. Right now, we resist. Throw aside all of the confusion and the doubts, the hurt that we've had because we didn't see something come to pass and we thought you didn't answer our prayer. We reject those things now knowing that it's just the devil that's deceived us and that, praise God, you were faithful. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. I feel like there's some people in here tonight that the Lord is speaking to that you have really had your faith damaged because you you prayed and something didn't work, something that was really big and important, and to the best of your ability, you were really believing God, and when it didn't happen, it just, it's like it shattered your faith, and you've never been built back up to the same place. You've never been the same. You lost a trust and a reliance upon God. You may have never openly said that. You may have never publicly proclaimed this. And yet in your heart, you've never been the same. You've never had the same. There's been a fear to step out and be bold in believing God again because you felt like God failed you. And that's something that you haven't wanted, but it's been there. This is not a rebuke. God is not on your case. God is loving you tonight and he's trying to minister to you. You wanted to be free from that. You wanted to be back to a place to where you could just trust God. And yet something happened, and it seems like it's been beyond your ability to get back to that place. There's an anointing of God here tonight. According to Luke 4:18, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he, is a, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. There is an anointing here tonight to heal somebody like that. I believe there's more than one person that your faith was just shattered, and you need to get back to that place where you can just trust in God. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you are. We're going to pray for you. And I believe that there's an anointing that's going to heal you tonight. Praise the Lord. You know, all of these things that people are standing up for tonight, the reason they were hurt was because they didn't understand what we're talking about. They prayed for something. Their experience didn't match up with the Word of God. And the conclusion was, God, you didn't do it. If you'll receive the truth that we were talking about tonight, that'll provide the foundation for this healing. God did do it. God answered your prayer. God didn't fail you. Satan got in somewhere and messed the thing up, and you just didn't know it. You didn't know how to stand. There's no condemnation with that. But praise God. God's going to set you free tonight. Amen. Father, I thank you for these, and they've been honest. They've stood up, and I just I stand, Father, on this promise that there is an anointing of God here, that you've anointed me, all of us as believers, to heal the brokenhearted. We release this anointing right now. We release the anointing through the word of God that was spoken tonight. And I believe that that anointing, Father, heals these broken hearts right now. The discouragement, the despair that came, the, the way that, Father, their faith was hurt through it. We just speak that right now in the name of Jesus, the anointing of God is setting these people free from that and that, Father, you're returning us back to just a simple childlike faith to where we can believe and receive, knowing that you're a good God, that you would never, never, never fail to answer a prayer based on the Word of God. Father, we proclaim your integrity tonight. And I speak that these people are healed right now in the name of Jesus. I cast off that discouragement, depression in the name of... Some of you have been grieving. There's some of you that the situation that caused this problem, you have grieved over it, you've grieved over the loss of something, you've had a martyr attitude where, God, I'm just suffering, and you're going to see yourself until the day you die suffering under this problem. God is setting you free from that tonight. He bore your sorrows and carried your griefs, is what it says in Isaiah 53, 5. God bore that. You don't have to grieve over this. God can take it away. It doesn't matter how deep your hurt is. God can remove it. So that now when you think back, you'll still have knowledge of what happened, but it won't hurt anymore. The grief is gone. God's taking grief out of your life right now. Praise you, Father.